Hey, all you rad dads out there. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Rad Dad Brett here, bringing you another episode of the Rad Dads Show. I hope everyone's still doing okay out there, staying sane while you shelter in place. For this episode of the Rad Dad Show, I had the opportunity to sit down with punk rock art legend Chris Sherry to talk dad stuff. Chris is a drama teacher by day, but you probably know him as the artist behind The Descendants, in addition to so many other bands. Chris is just the nicest guy, and we have a super fun, physically distanced chat over Skype, where we talk about how Chris manages to prioritize his family amongst his other commitments, about finding a unique shared hobby with his son Sam, and so much more. And for you all fans out there, we also geek out about All's Punk Rock Bowling 2013 show, and Chris divulges his most hated All song. So put on those headphones, quarantine yourself beside your stereo, and enjoy... Chris Sherry on the Rad Dad Show. Thanks for, for agreeing to do this. Um, coming on the Rad Dad Show. Super excited to talk to you. I know we've been talking about it for a little while. So uh, thanks for for coming today. Well, absolutely. I had I had nothing better to do. I mean, it's <laughs> not like I could be out doing like things out in public. So yeah, this is this is a perfect way to break up my day. Well, and you get to reuse your your backdrop. You you use that for graduation or something like that. Is that right? Yeah, we had, we had a, a big uh, ceremony on Saturday night for my drama classes, and it was an award show. Okay. So I figured, okay, well, if we're doing an award show, you know, we might as well get kind of fancied up or whatever. And the funny thing is, is the uh, the streamers that are up behind me were we use them at my, my wedding party. So 20 years ago when my oh, wife and I got married, these, these were our backdrops. So I, awesome. I found them just yesterday up in the attic and I was like, Hey, wait a minute. I could, I could put that up and kind of have a fancy looking background. Yeah. This is why you don't throw this stuff away. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, and, and it's probably terrible to throw away too. So, you know, but now I look like I'm on a seventies game show. That's awesome, right? You don't you don't have to put the fake background behind you. You've got no, got I, I have to look fake enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, I'll start by just telling you a little bit about Rad Dads, so you know kind of what we're all about. Um, so Rad Dads is a community organization. We're based out of Edmonton, Alberta. Um, basically, the idea, um, you know, it's not too complex. It's just to encourage dads getting out. Um, meeting other dads, sharing information, getting out with their kids. We put on some community events. Um, a lot of us are interested in things like uh, punk rock and skateboarding. Um, so lots of events around that. We put on some all-age shows where, you know, even the two- and three-year-olds come and uh, wear the protective headgear and stuff. And, yeah. you know, just kind of some some stuff to, to get parents out with their kids. And it's not really just for dads, you know, obviously moms and other um, caregivers are, are welcome and whoever else, but I try and raise a little bit of money for, for some local charities and uh, just get people out involved in their community. So that's really all it's about. And so as one arm of that, um, we do the Rad Dad Show, which is a podcast. We interview artists, musicians, um, you know, anybody who sort of, you know, kind of has a, maybe a unique take on, on parenthood and, and it's a way to, I guess, get dads um, inspired and thinking about, you know, what the people that they look up to, what how they approach parenting and, and you know, more often than not, um, that they're struggling with some of the same things you are um, yeah. as a parent. Yeah. So so that's what Rad Dads is. So, um, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Um, who are you? 
Well, so, um, so Chris Sherry, I, I, you know, I, I have several things that, that I do. I'm, uh, I, you know, my bread and butter thing is I, I'm a high school drama teacher in Northern California in Stockton. I've been, uh, teaching drama now for, I guess it's been 17, 18 years. Um, I've been in Stockton now for 18 years also. And so I guess I've been teaching drama 17 years. I'm, I'm a trained art teacher that kind of got, I agreed to do drama for a year and then I wound up just getting here for a while. So I, I do that, but on top of that, like my side job that, you know, most people would know anything from me is, you know, I do artwork for virtually every punk band you can think of large name punk bands I've been doing artwork for, for the past 30, 30 some odd years. Um, you know, and, and I'm kind of the main go-to guy for descendants. So any descendants, all stuff that you've seen, it's more than likely that's my work. Um, so I guess that's too, I, I'm also a dad. Yeah. I guess I should bring that. Yeah. My son is, my son is 17 and, um, he was born the year after we moved to Stockton. Um, so he's, he's lived in Northern California his entire life. And what, what's your son's name? So my son is Sam. Okay. Nice. Um, well that's great. Yeah, certainly that's, that's how I got to know you as, uh, the descendants and all art and stuff like that. I've got lots of your stuff around my house and I'm wearing a few of your things right now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we're stoked to, to have you on the show. Um, so you've got one son. What, yes. what would you say is the most rewarding aspect of being a dad? That's a really good question. Um, Knowing that I'm preparing somebody to make things better in the future, I think is is the most rewarding thing. Um, my son is by no means a, a cookie cutter um, mini me. Um, he's he's definitely marches to uh, his own drummer, and um, you know, but he's he is one of the most compassionate, kind funny people that I know and having having produced this child that we have helped rear so that he could be the best possible person that exists I have to imagine that if other parents are doing things similarly and they're they're really actively trying to have a, a good child that the future is bound to get better if everybody is really dedicated towards that that goal. And certainly we have been, I mean, from the very, very get-go, and not like we're trying to create like some super child or anything. That by no means is what we're trying to do. But, you know, we wanted somebody that that understood, you know, compassion and caring and creativity. And we've we've done that. We I mean, I could not be more proud of my son. So um you know, I think that's been the most rewarding thing is that knowing he will be a functioning member of society when he's done being at home. And who knows how long that'll be. I mean, he's 17 right now and he'll be a senior next year in high school. And I, I don't really know what's going to happen after that. He could wind up staying with us for you know years afterwards, but he might, you know, go off to, to be in Liverpool, England for all I know. And, um, so if, if that's the case, I want to make sure that he's doing his best to make the world a better place by him being in it. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, that's a pretty, pretty common theme, right? Just 
that that feeling of of kind of raising someone to be a functional kind of member of society and teaching them the things that you know hopefully that that you think are important and and helping them to you know be a just be a good person it's it doesn't really you know always matter what what they're doing it's just knowing that they're sort of a good person inside so it's funny you you said um you know he's by no means a cookie cutter of you so what what do you attribute that to like you know, a lot of, uh, you know, people say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. It sounds like maybe that's, that's not the case for you. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that are, are similar to us. Um, but he falls somewhere on, on the Asperger's spectrum. Um, and so because of that, there's, there's other things that are operating. He processes things in the world differently than I do. And by no means does he process things wrong or or inaccurately it's just the way that he gathers information and deals with that is very different than how i would so what i might think would be a really logical way to get to you know point a to point b he doesn't yep. see things that way so because of that i mean his his neurons are actually firing in a different pattern so he is is very different because of that. And again, it's it's by no means that, you know, it's wrong or different or whatever. It's just not how I do things. And I find a lot of times, you know, my wife seems to get a better idea about like where he's coming from with something. And I'll just go, I, how did those two things connect? And she's like, oh, well, because blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense to me. Um, yeah. So I think it's really attributed to that. Um you know, and also when he was really, really young, he got some, okay, so it's kind of a longer story, but I'll go into it. So the back of the home that we're living in right now um, had burned before we moved in. And the paint that was used on the house was lead-based paint. And the paint then got chips into the soil in the backyard. Well, our son was anemic. So when when you're anemic and you're an infant, you have yep. this natural tendency to eat dirt because you're trying to get things balanced in your system. So he was eating dirt, but he was eating way more dirt than like you should normally eat. So we right. took it to the doctors to say, hey, we're a little worried about this. You know, maybe he has anemia. Maybe there's something going on. No, no, no. He's fine. All kids do that. So, OK, well, we're worried about it. And it kept going on for a while and we got really, really concerned. And so we finally took him in and they said, well, we need to talk to you about his blood levels because his blood levels have lead in them. And mm -hmm. he essentially had poisoned himself by the lead paint chips that were in the backyard in the dirt that he was eating. So it created some, some lasting damage to his fine motor skills. So he had a very, very difficult time writing and forming letters and, and doing all that kind of stuff. So while his brain might have been saying, I want to draw, he would start doing that and get really discouraged because his hand wouldn't do what his brain was wanting it to do. And so he got really discouraged of doing that and was, was unhappy with his handwriting and the way that he formed things. And so after just kind of like having a, a lot of difficulty with that, he just kind of backed away from that almost entirely. So I had always just assumed, you know, I'm going to have a kid and he's going to you know, be really excited about drawing and everything. And while he might be excited about it, he can't physically make himself do what his brain would like him to do. And so because of that, 
he doesn't he he didn't like pick up you know crayons and just like go nuts and like following in my footsteps. Right. There's no there's no way that that's going to happen because there's some very serious damage that was done. And um, luckily, you know, they had said the lead damage wasn't anything more than just his fine motor skills. But I, you know, I have to wonder if that didn't attribute to, to some of his, um, some of his challenges in, in the way that he processes things. So, you know, it was, it was really very upsetting, actually. I mean, okay. you know, to, to know that we had taken him in and we had asked for help on something that was more or less ignored. And then it got to a point where it actually did cause damage. And, you know, he's very aware of it. And it's something that, you know, he he's a little sensitive about, um, yeah. understandably. So I think, I mean, how I attribute him being different is, is kind of... Um, maybe attributed to, to some of that. Right. That must've been so stressful for you guys. First yeah. child, you know, young parents sort of realizing that something is wrong here. Right. That's a, a familiar thing to lots of parents, right. With kids that have, have things go wrong when they're young. So scary. So how did you guys sort of begin to cope with that? Like, what was that like for you? It was odd because when when you get something like that um, and and a doctor says, you know, you have high lead levels and, and there is lead poisoning, then CPS is contacted and CPS says, well, we need to do like a a visit to see what are the conditions at your home and, you know, are you. Are, is there any abuse that's going on? And so to to feel like that when when as a parent we were doing everything that we could for the betterment of our child to have some governmental official come in to look at how we were raising him was you know it was it was shocking you know because we we felt like you don't you don't get this. This happened because a doctor didn't listen to us. And, um, yeah, it was, it was very, very upsetting. Um, you know, and obviously after the people from CPS had come, you know, they realized there wasn't any problem. They were like, wow, you guys are actually really very loving and he has a great family life and all of that. This is just odd. And so they monitor him for the next couple of years to, um, you know, see how the lead levels were in his blood. And of course they went down because, you know, we got him treated for, you know, the anemia and then that kind of like solved that problem and right. um that was no longer an issue and they they had said that there weren't any long-term you know lasting effects but we've seen you know kind of the opposite especially with the the fine motor skill things so it was um it was really upsetting you know because it wasn't just oh man this sucks it was oh this sucks and now there's a governmental agency that's looking at how are we rearing our child and right. so of course you know we felt like failures i mean we felt like how on earth could we bring somebody into this world and then have something like that happen it was it, you know it was embarrassing it was upsetting right. um you know and I'm I'm really really happy that that all kind of got taken care of, but it, it's a terrible way to get started. And that was when he was uh, maybe two, one and a half, two. He was a toddler, and um, you know you're you're just so nervous about everything as a parent, a new parent, and uh, to have something like that happen, you, you know, it was it was awful. You know, it was sure. it was a nightmare for us. So it sounds like though as 
kind of time has gone on, you guys have, have figured it out and, and, um, you know, from what I've seen, I you know, obviously follow you on Instagram and stuff. So, you know, you do lots of things with, with Sam and, um, seems like you guys have a really good relationship. So how have you kind of like built that over time and, you know, you know, found a way to, to build that relationship despite maybe some of those challenges or, or things that he's, you know, stressed about. What, what's well, that look like as he's grown up? Yeah, we've, we've got similar interests in a lot of things. Um, so while, while if you met us, you'd, you'd see some similarities. I mean, again, we're not, he's not like mini me, but um, at a very, very early age, we had a, a Godzilla movie, the DVD. And for whatever reason, he saw that and, and really kind of was like, oh, can we watch this? Well, sure. So we showed him a Godzilla movie when he was really young, maybe two or three. And, and it was he, he chose it. He, he picked it out and was like, OK. Yeah. And he then became pretty much obsessed with with Japanese monsters and Japanese and things like that at a very, very early age, like a shockingly early age. And uh, actually, I was I was just cleaning out the attic last week, and I found his book that he had from preschool. And in preschool, you know, there's all these different activities that you do, and he had a great teacher who saved everything. And so it went through the entire year. It's like, okay, here's what we did for Thanksgiving, and here's an art project we did for Halloween and all that. So I'm going through and I'm looking at it, and this is, this is preschool, so he's four or maybe five. And um, they said, well you know, what do you want to be when you grow creature from Black Lagoon? So I was like, okay, so he wants to be creature from the Black Lagoon. They had a thing for um, for Thanksgiving, and it's this haystack, and I think you were supposed to draw something underneath it, or you were supposed to guess what was under it. And so the question was, what's underneath the haystack? And yeah. Sam's answer, Godzilla, you know, and this is, this is preschool. So like I said, he very early like attached himself to those sort of things and to, to comic book uh, characters. And um, that was, you know, that was that was me. Um, you know, I've, I've always been very interested in stuff like that. So we had this really big bond with that kind of stuff. And he knew if he expressed any interest in things that I was interested in, that I would whatever you want to do. Yes. You want to see every Godzilla movie ever made? Great. We're going to get them. You know, my wife yeah. built him, um, a Mecha Godzilla costume when he was like seven that he wore to a comic book convention. I mean, we were doing all this stuff at a very, very early age. So we, we have this huge, huge family interest in, you know, horror movies and sci-fi and comic books. And, um, you know, we, we get together and we watch, you know, films in the evening and, and stuff like that. So that, that's been one of the things that really has bonded us a lot. Yeah. Cool. And it, it was something he, he completely discovered on his own. I mean, I've always enjoyed Godzilla, but not to the level that he does. So uh, it, it's been really cool just seeing him. De- you know, and the funny thing is, is like, so my wife and I, when we first had, we talked about it and we were like, OK, you know, like worst case scenario, 
what if he grows up and he likes sports? Like, what if he gets really <laughs> interested in football? And like, we're, we're the parents who are like talking that way. Whereas most parents are like, yeah, well, what if he gets into art? What if he, you know, what if he likes yep. boys? Like what, what then, you know, and we're going, what if he likes football? Do we have to go to games? Like, what if he likes baseball? That's so freaking boring. So we had this talk and we were like, okay, whatever he's interested in, we will support 100%. So yep. he starts showing interest in something. Great. We'll give it a shot. So he did gymnastics. He did horseback riding. And those were things that he came to on his own. And we went, great, we're going to support that. So, um, you know, I think no matter what it was that he was going to find an interest in, we were going to support him with that. And it just happened to be Godzilla. That's awesome. That's, and That's a good story. <laughs> Uh, so what does he think about uh, what you do? And actually, so your wife is an artist as well, right? So so what, what does he think about what you guys do? You know, I think he really enjoys it because it it means that we travel a lot. You know, we we have an, a lot of art show stuff that we're involved in in Southern California. And um, one of his best friends lives in, in the L.A. area. And so okay. we go down frequently. I mean, before all of this happened, we were going down maybe twice a month you know, down to LA. And for us, that's 350 miles. So it's like, it's like a a five or six hour drive down, but we did it frequently, frequently. And, um, you know, so he knows a lot of the same people that we know in the, the art community. And I think he enjoys being around that because it means travel. It means being exposed to like, you know, new people and new ideas. And, um, and everybody's really very, um, warm and welcoming to him. It's not like, oh, hey, who brought this kid? Yeah. They're always super excited to to see him and meet him. And a lot of our friends have known Sam since you know he's been very very young and have really enjoyed watching him grow up and and all that sort of thing. So I think I think he really enjoys that aspect. He also takes a lot of photographs. So he's oh, he's had a lot of artwork in shows that that we've been you know like running. Um, you know we'll have Sam print out some of his pictures and put them in there too. Because while while the actual like drawing and painting might be difficult or sewing would be difficult, um, taking photographs is something that he really loves to do. And so he um, he's been doing a lot of that. And, you know, whenever we can, we include him in shows, too. So I mean, he is an artist, you know, he he oh, has wow. his, you know, people have bought his work and you know, he's been in a lot of gallery shows. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy wow. to go. He's he's grown up around this. This is just part of his life. Right. Yeah, not a lot of kids get to experience that, right? You've got your own kind of little unit that uh, yeah. that all kind of creates art together. Well, and the interesting thing is, is that we all really, really, really enjoy being around one another. Yeah. So there is no place on earth I would rather be than at home with my wife and my son. So when we can do things all together, it's even better. And, you know, as far as art goes, a lot of people are starting to associate my wife with me as well. Not that we do similar things, but that we're kind of a package deal. And as much as we can make our family a package deal, we want to do that. So if I'm in a show, hey, can Lori have stuff in? Hey, maybe can we squeeze something of Sam's in? And people have been very open to that. So, yeah, I mean, we're this weird art family. (laughs) Well, it's a little bit different, right? Like we talked to lots of musicians on this show and 
you know, one of the big things that always comes up is like, okay, well, I have to go on tour, um, you know, or taken off for two or three weeks or longer and leave the family at home. It's a little bit different for you. You guys kind of all roll together. So um, that's, that's a really nice thing, right? That yeah. you still are doing your passion, um, you know, but you're able to do it all together. Yeah, it's it's fairly it's fairly unique. I mean, it's kind of like yeah. the you know the Partridge family where it's like everybody's a part of it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. So and, and you know, and and it's true. You know, a band will go out and they're with the other band members for you know however long a tour might be, and then they're away from you know the people that are most important to them arguably, because not everybody agrees. But, you know, for me, my my family is the most important thing. Yeah. So the more that we can do together, we've kind of built it in into that. And, and I remember when Lori first started getting, you know, more interested in doing artwork, you know, she kind of has always had the, well, if you can't beat them, join them sort of mindset, you know, and it was like, look, if you're going to be doing this stuff all the time, I need to accept this and, and maybe join in with this because, Otherwise, you're an outsider looking in and you feel like Yoko Ono. I mean, you know, who wants that, right? That, that's exactly. <laughs> so how how has being a dad changed you? Well, let's see. Um, that's interesting. Um, I can say that, that when Sam was first born, it meant that I kind of went into a several year hibernation of artwork and going to shows. So that part definitely changed um, because I as as a dad, you know, we all know that there's certain things that you cannot do and provide for a child. I mean, there are things that that mothers can only do. I mean, I can't breastfeed. So like that is yep. a real thing that I cannot do, but I could change diapers. So I changed diapers as often as I could. Um, I didn't and couldn't get up in the middle of the night to be with him, to, you know, calm him down or to just, you know, physically be with him because I had work the next morning. And, you know, my my wife has has worked from home a good deal of the time. So she's been the person to do that. So. I figured out, okay, what can I do and what can't I do? Well, the things that I can do are be there, to physically be there. So I I stopped going to shows for a good long while. And it wasn't because anybody asked me to, but I felt it, it was hard enough that my wife had to do that all the time. So here comes the weekend, like the time when I could maybe be filling in for her. Um, I couldn't, you know, be selfish and say, oh, well, I'm going to go out tonight. You know, I've got a show to go see when it was something that I wanted to do versus what I had to do, which was be a dad. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, for several years, I just went, that's it. I'm just not participating in very much stuff because it's detracting from what's the most important. And, you know, like all the studies and research that I had done, you know, said, you know, those first five years are the most critical and crucial ones that you will never give back. And then once they start going to school, things change for the kids. But as a parent, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't missing out. I didn't want to feel like my son resented his early upbringing or anything. And certainly my wife and I had great childhoods. I mean, I don't think either of us would have changed anything, but we also had parents that were very attentive to us and encouraging. So we wanted to make sure that we were for Sam. So how it's changed me is, is it made me, um, it made me put 
my family way before myself. Okay, so Chris's power went out. Turns out you need that to make a computer work. Bummer. But luckily it came back on after a couple hours and we got back at it. Although I did take a little break to show Chris my all wall. I bought four of Chris's famous Sharpie sketches way back in 2013. One of each current member of all. And I have them hanging in my home office. So that's what you'll hear us talking about when we get back into it. So without further delay, here's part two of the Rad Dad Show with Chris Sherry. On my side. Does it say it's recording on your side? Sure, Dad. Perfect. And here, before we start, I was going to show you this. This is my, uh, I meant to show you this earlier. So I'm in my home office here. I don't know if you can see above my well, lawn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you got you got some really nice ones. That one of Chad is one of my favorite ones I've ever done. I love it. I love it so much. Yep. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Yeah, I grabbed those from you at, uh, I think, Rock 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 Rock. Rock. yeah, 2013. Yep, I remember that. So, and that, yeah. that was when we were done and went outside uh, of the uh, the club where they were doing the uh, screening of filmage, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. That was, uh, yeah, that was such a fun weekend. Holy cow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That, yeah. That all club show was ridiculous <laughs> it, it really was i mean that still is like on my mind one of the best shows that that i've seen just to be able to do that and play for so long was really remarkable oh it was amazing yeah for sure um <laughs> seeing chad play stalker that was uh yeah. that was on, on the bucket list for sure for me you know, that was always one of uh, Chad's favorites, and um, and it's one of my favorites, too. And I, I always am like, Chad, stalker, stalker. Yeah. So <laughs> he, he was always very much about, like, yeah, let's play that. And I know the rest of the guys love playing it, but they just assume nobody liked it. And uh, boy, are they wrong. Yeah, I think they are wrong. I, I think, yeah. um, I, I mean, maybe it wouldn't be like, you know, your your first single when you're putting out the album yeah. or something. But, but for the, the big all fans, yeah, we love it. Well, you know, speaking of singles, so this is this is just totally, you know, one of those weird things. But um, my absolute least favorite all song, Hot Plate, was yep. supposed to be a single. Yeah, yeah. I I <laughs> was chatting with uh, Scott about that and he was saying, yeah, it just, you know, they were kind of feeling the pressure to put that out as a single and it just didn't. Yeah, didn't sit well with him. I, I, it's not one of my favorites either. I oh, love I, that album. Percolator is yeah. one of my favorite albums. But album's great. That song is terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Just, it's unusual. It's it's yeah. uh, it's just kind of silly in in not yeah. a not an endearing way. <laughs> no, no. You know, and and silly. I don't have any problem with. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, not an endearing way. It's just like it. It's an embarrassing silly. Like at the time, it could have been fun doing it in the studio, and then afterwards, you go, "Ooh!" But we put it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. We're on the same page there. <laughs> um. So yeah. Sorry, and thanks for um, coming back and taking more of your evening. I know you probably have stuff to do, so um, we can kind of keep it rolling here. When um, when we left off, I had asked you what had changed as a result of becoming a dad, and you were talking about going on a hiatus for a few years in terms of going to shows and stuff like that. And I think that's, especially when kids are really young, I think that's a, a pretty common thing. Like you talked about priorities shifting. Yeah. I think that's a that's a big one, right? There's also like the tiredness and you know not having as much time, you know, there's not like a time when often, you know, the baby's only sleeping for, you know, a few hours at a time and so if someone's going out, the other person is carrying the the load, right? So right. 
So there's all those things. And we're, we're actually in a position where when we moved to Stockton, we had no family out here at all. So there was no, you know, grandparents, there were no, um, aunts and uncles, brothers or sisters, nothing. So we were 100% on our own in that regard. Although Lori's mom did stick around for a while afterwards, she was out with us for a few months and that, that certainly helped. But, you know, once she had gone back to Wyoming, you know, we still had just the two of us and, you know, I'm not about to put you know, my wife through all of the evenings, you know, being, yeah. you know, on, on top of everything else, me then not being there. So yeah, you know, the hiatus was just, uh, it, it made the most sense. Yeah. Kind of a natural, natural thing, but you're right back into it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and it got to a certain point too, where it was like, it was really fun for me. Cause I was like, okay, now I can go out occasionally to shows. And so I did. And then I got to a point where I went, well, if Sam wants to come with me, yeah. he can do that too. And, you know, that was, that was a really fun thing. And Sam will go to things with me. He, he's not super crazy about it. Um, I think, I think the volume of shows is, is a bit for him, even though, you know, he's always had, you know, earplugs and everything. Um, it's, it's a little on the loud end for him. Uh, so he doesn't, he doesn't want to go as much, but, um, in fact, one time descendants were playing, I think it was the uh, FYF fest down in Los Angeles. And, um, so we all went down for that and it was either that, maybe it was that, or is the Santa Monica civic. I I don't recall which one, but anyway, point, point being that, you know, we got there and Stefan and uh, Natalie had brought their kids too. And Sam and Felix, um, Stefan's, uh, and Natalie's son, they stayed in the hotel room playing with Legos. And so both, you know, like, they're, they're, he, Felix's dad is getting ready to play this big show. Yeah. Felix doesn't care. He's just hanging yeah. out with Sam playing Legos. So I was like, okay, you know, if if Sam's wanting to do that instead, that's fine. Of course, yeah. they were like, you know, seven and eight at the time or something. But um, it was it was pretty it was pretty great. So, but nowadays, you know, Sam will occasionally want to come to shows with me, and and that feels really really good. You know, um, he loves music, so but he's not as, as as big a fan of going out and actually being at a show. But he he loves 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 listening to stuff. Yeah, he he probably in the same way you like to do things that interest him because you just like to see him in his element. He probably likes to see you in your element too. I know yeah. kids get a kick out of that, right? Like, Oh, my, my dad or my mom is into this thing. And so I, I'm kind of interested in it too, you know, just by yeah. virtue of their parent being interested in it. Do you remember the first show you, you went to with them? Um, it was probably, I think it was Devo. I think it was Devo oh. in San Francisco. And, That's a good uh, first one. And, and again, you know, like it's one of those things where you go, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm being a really great parent until you get to the venue and people at, at Devo. So this is the thing I didn't get. People are at Devo and it's an indoor thing in San Francisco, like right in front of us smoking pot. Oh. And of course, I've got Sam up on my shoulder so that he can see. So the pot smoke is going right into his face. And, um, you know, we, we actually even like called security over and I was pointing at them because you're not supposed yeah. to be smoking venue in the first place. And it's an indoor thing, yeah. you know, and I'm pointing at people in front of me and I'm like, come on, I have a, a kid here and I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, mime that out. And they, and they, they looked at me and just shrugged their shoulders. 
And I went, are, are you kidding me? So he, he loved it. He loved seeing Devo. And then as we were on our way out, he was really small. He must've been maybe five. Um, his, he, I was carrying him and he just had his head laying on my shoulder and he was like, dad, I feel really tired. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I took my son to his first show and he got a contact high from being a <laughs> stoner at Devo. Like I could understand yeah. if, you know, we had gone and seen like, I, I don't know, like some metal show or yeah. like Fish or something, yeah. but Devo? Really? Like, yeah. I don't know. So yeah, I think Devo was his, his first. Um, he's seen They Might Be Giants a number of times. He's actually seen Devo a few times. Descendants, of course, he's seen many times. Um, he was he really surprised me. He wanted to go see the English Beat open up for Rancid a few years back. Cool. And um, so we went and he, and it's great because when he goes, he's treated like royalty. So yeah. like his experience of going to shows is far different than most, you know, kids. Yeah. So yeah, and I love that. You know, yeah, that's cool. Is, is like he will come to a point in his his life where he looks back and goes, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did this or I met these people. Yeah. But in the moment, he's just like, oh, you know, whatever. It, it was kind of fun. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's really cool. But it's funny. Yeah. Like concerts especially kind of the indoor ones, the stadiums type ones, they can be a little bit much sometimes and you get the wrong people around you and it can really ruin the experience. Right. So luckily yeah. with, with most punk rock stuff, I mean, say for some of the kind of violent stuff that goes on there, sometimes usually people are pretty, um, pretty understanding, pretty nice, pretty friendly. Yeah, so Yeah. That's always been my experience. You know, I, I found too at even like the really, really big like punk festivals and stuff like that. I mean, my experience has always been that people have been really on on good behavior. And I'm using air quotes because, you know, there's there's the certain amount of like whatever that goes on. But by and large, audiences know how to act. You know, they really they're, they're sure. really respectful and stuff. So, you know, but you go to something that is is not that and it, there's no telling. I mean, it's like a wild card. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, Chris, would you call yourself a rad dad? Uh, yeah, I guess. <clears throat> I, you know, I was thinking about that earlier and I was like, oh, yeah, it's the rad dad show. Yeah. OK, <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I just I hope that I'm I'm being a good dad for my son. You know, more than anything, that's what I want. Um as, as a teacher also, I'm always a little leery of when adults are trying to come off as really cool because, yeah. you know, for a kid, that's potentially dangerous, you know, and, and it has been my experience almost 100% that any teacher that is trying to seem cool is a pedophile or a narcissist, and like without question. And so I am highly suspect of any adult that's attempting to seem cool around kids. So I would never call myself that. Somebody might, but it definitely wouldn't be me. Because like like I said, anytime I see an adult who is trying to gain like the interest of children, it's a giant red flag. Right, right. Uh, so so you, I, I think the first thing you said was, yeah, I, I think I am a rad dad. So. Like, what's your definition of a rad dad? If, if we're not talking about you, but you know, oh, sure, you're, sure. you're thinking about other dads, what makes a dad rad? 
Yeah, somebody who puts their kids first and and their joy comes from their kids having joy. Um, somebody who um, sees them as as being their own individual person and celebrating them for who they are rather than who they want them to be. And in that regard, yeah, I think I think I've done a really good job with my son. I think both my wife and I have done a, a great job with. That. I don't want to say it's me because it certainly hasn't been, but. Um, you know, I think anytime I see a parent that is just super excited for whatever their kid's doing and is really very supportive of whatever decisions they want to make, that that's a rad parent for sure. No question about it. Yeah. So it's just, I, I guess, being part of your, your kid's experience, not putting your sort of spin on what you think they should be yeah. and just, just kind of enjoying uh, what they've become. Yeah, I you know I I remember I had a friend who um who actually had kids before we did and and when Lori and I got married, we were kind of some of the uh, the first people that we knew that were having kids. So we were a, a bit of pioneers in our age group. Yeah. But she had known some other people who had kids, and um I remember um some of our friends were talking about oh I'm so proud that my kids don't listen to you know like Barney and this and that, and I thought. Well, they don't listen to it because you don't play it for them. And so I thought, well, that's really something stupid to feel proud about because you've never exposed your kids to that. So, oh, great. Your your kid claims to like Neil Young. Good for you. You're so much more enlightened than anyone else. But I guarantee if you sat around listening to Barney, your kids would like it, too. So it's not that they don't listen to it. It's you don't expose them to it. Right. And I wanted to make sure that with Sam that we were doing everything that we could do just like if there was anything that he liked or that he showed any interest in that we we push that instead of going all right well you need to get a mohawk when you're 3 yeah. because okay that's fine but he didn't choose that and then the one time <laughs> So it was during the summer and I had just shaved my head and, um, this was when I had hair. So I shaved my head and it was like, Oh, cool. So, you know, it's good for the summer. And Sam has this beautiful semi, semi wavy red hair, like bright red, almost orange hair. And, um, you know, he was watching me shave my head and he must've been, Oh, he was seven. I know that for sure. It was, it was the summer of 2010. And, um, he was watching me shave my head and he goes, Hey, I think I'd like to do that. And I went great. So I got the clippers and immediately shaved his head. And as soon as we were finished, he just looks at it and just goes, yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't think I want to do that. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. It's just, it's going to be like that for a little bit, but you know, it was, he decided. Yep. So Yep, we're going to do that. And like, you know, and actually it's so funny because like just today he, he has hair. I don't. So I'll occasionally like comb his hair, or, you know, like be playing with it or whatever. And I was doing that today. He's 17. So so I'm doing that in the kitchen. And and I said, hey, well, what did you think about a mohawk? You've got such a great head of hair. Could, could we do that? And he was just like, no, thanks, Dad. I, I'm, I'm really happy with it, how it is. And I was like, ah, damn it. You know, but it was like it's. Again, I don't want to shape him and say he needs to be this or that. So when he wants to do something, you know, we do it, yeah. uh, which I think is really important. I think parents should do that. Listen to your kids. But you, yeah, but obviously you're going to walk that line between kind of letting them figure things out on their own, but also trying to show them things that you think oh, are great too, right? Yeah, of so, course. 
so you're, yeah, you're always kind of walking that line. I've had the same experience with my daughter. You know, I'm like, come on, let's listen to Blitzkrieg Bop. Like, you'll love this song. Hey, ho, let's go. The words are really easy to remember. And she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And, you know, after a while, she kind of starts to remember, yeah, hey, ho, let's go. But uh, I want to listen to Taylor Swift or I want to listen to, yeah. you know, whatever else. And that's fine. That's great. Actually, I think as a parent, it's a good idea to expose your kids to a lot of things and yeah. then figure out, OK, well, what really sticks? And then when you figure out what sticks, you know, you you encourage that. And for me, oh, man, it was it was so cool because we have um, I guess they don't even call it iTunes anymore. It's like Apple Music or yeah. whatever. So all of my music that I have on my you know personal library and my playlists and everything, Sam has always had access to everything. And I was I was doing something around the house and I hear him in his room singing. And I'm like, what is he singing? And I go to the door and I'm listening and uh, I can't really quite make it out. It sounds vaguely familiar. And, you know, I'm like, what are, what are you in there singing, buddy? And it was like some really deep cut talking head song. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I have it, but it's not something that I listen to very often. So I was like, how do you, how do you even know that? And he said, Oh, I listen to a lot of your stuff. And you know, I was just blown away because it's something that I do have. It's my music, but he discovered it completely on his own. It wasn't because I played it for him or anything. And it could have been that, you know, a friend of his has said, Hey, you know, I, I like this weird band. And he goes, well, I think my dad's got a lot of that. So that felt really good knowing that he's exploring things on his own and, and developing interests that I'm not pushing on him, but I do expose him to a lot of stuff and, and hopefully some of it sticks. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, that's one of the best things you can do for your kid, right? Is just expose them to lots of different things and see, see what they're interested in. Right. You'll never know otherwise. Yeah, that's for sure. It's the same thing. We, you know, we, you talked about it earlier that like just totally not into sports and I'm the same way. Yeah. So, um, you know, I always struggle with that with, um, my daughter, like, you know, she's kind of at the age, she's four years old. And so, it's about the time you start putting them in lessons, you know, soccer lessons or whatever. And I, I always kind of struggle with that because my initial thought is like, oh, no, I'm, I'm really not into sports. I don't want to have to, like, go coach the soccer team or whatever. But, uh, but you know, you step back and you're like, oh, maybe she's going to be the best soccer player in the world. And I'll never know if, if uh, you know, if I never expose her to it. And maybe she'll love it. And if she loves it, I'm sure I'll love it. So. Yeah. And that's the funny thing is because, you know, you will pick up on whatever they then become interested in. And but and I do want to remind you, horseback riding and gymnastics also fall in that sports world. Yes. <laughs> so that's maybe a little bit more palpable to, to a true. not really into a sport because those are those are two things that Sam wanted to try. And yeah. we did those for a while and it was it was really fun. You know, we enjoyed that. So, uh, you know, there's other things. I don't know. Curling. Uh, it yeah. maybe should develop an interest in curling. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we have a curling rink just down the street. Actually, I used to curl in high school. And yeah, yeah, I, you're Canadian. You, yeah. you guys know <laughs> curling. We don't down here, but. <laughs> you should. That's fun. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about how. Um, you know, you guys had some some kind of struggles and some some medical stuff that had come up after Sam was born. How about how about before? Did you have any fears about becoming a dad? Um, was it like a conscious decision? Was it 
it was it was definitely a conscious decision for for me. I I've always I've I've liked kids. Um, I, b- before I decided that I was going to be a teacher, I thought, well, I want to figure out, you know, do I, do I really want to be doing that? Do I want to be around kids? So I had a job working, um, in college as a, a summer day camp counselor. So every summer I, I came back to, my dad was in the air force at the time and the, um, the air force base that he was stationed at had a summer, you know, program for kids. Yeah. And, um, I thought, well, I, I could try that for a summer and see if that's something I like and I want to do. And I discovered really early on that, yeah, I did want to do that. And I found that, you know, a lot of times if we would go someplace and friends had kids or whatever, I tended to be the person who enjoyed talking to them. And, and I've always talked to kids kind of like they're, they're mini adults, you know, so not, not down to them, but just like to them, like I'll talk to babies like that, you know, and they're, they have no idea what I'm saying. But I guess I talk to pets like that too. So like dogs (laughs) or whatever, I'm like, we can't go for a walk because it's raining. I mean, you have to look outside and know, but anyway, I just assume everybody knows what I'm talking about. So I did summer day camp for a while and I thought, okay, well, I, I really enjoy this. I work well with kids. Um, it would be great to be a dad at some point. So in the back of my mind, I figured, okay, I'd I'd like to do that. And, um, when Lori, my wife and I had first met, um, very early on, we kind of went over a lot of like, what are you looking for in life? And, you know, where do you want to be and all that kind of stuff. And, um, she was just hitting everything right for me. All of the answers that I would possibly want to hear, she was giving me and saying, yeah, I want to do this. And these are things I find important. These are things I don't care about. Here are my interests. Here are my dislikes. And we went through all of these things. And I, you know, I just asked, you know, do you, would you ever be interested in having kids? Nope. Definitely don't want to ever have have kids. And I went, okay. And, um, so before, uh, we got married, I, in the back of my mind went, okay, can I really honestly be happy being in a relationship where I know that the other person is not interested in kids? And I thought, well, that would probably be a problem to me, but not with Lori. And so I was so interested in being with her that I completely went, okay, if, if I don't ever have kids, that's fine because then I'll just be able to have a long life with her and maybe we travel a lot and, you know, maybe we do really fun stuff. Who knows? Um, and so I, I just figured then that's not an option anymore. So I'll never talk about it. And I didn't. So we got married. Um, and for, for years I never brought it up. I never thought about it, nothing. And, um, she finally at one point just said, what do you think about having a child? And I went, that would be good. And she said, I think I'd like to. And, and I said, well, but hold on now. I mean, we, we talked about this before and you were not interested in this. And she said, I know, but I thought about it and I thought, you're you're the person I'm going to be with forever. Um, and I can't possibly think of anybody I'd rather want to have a child with. So while I normally wouldn't want to do that, I do with you. So maybe we should. And I thought, well, OK, that sounds good to me. And and as soon as Sam was born, we were like, that's it. We're done. That, what is done. That, is, that is absolutely it. And I jokingly told people when when we had him, if they asked, because, you know, as a parent, you know, people ask you, you have one sure. immediately. They want to know well, when's the next one. And, you know, I'm always thinking, what's wrong with this one? What do I need another one for? Yeah. I mean, why are you asking me that? 
So I eventually just started telling people I don't have love in my heart for more than one. <laughs> and so that shut people up immediately. Yeah. So they'd go, hey, you're going to have another one? And I just say, and, and with all sincerity, I don't have love in my heart for more than one. And they'd stop asking. And they were like, OK, you, what do I say to that? <laughs> you, you don't. You just kind of go, all right. So um, I had always really wanted to, to be a dad. And when when Lori decided she wanted to be a mom, it was just great. And so I didn't have any, you know, reservations or, or anything about that. I was like, OK, well, this is this is great. This is what I kind of signed up for. Um as the pregnancy went on, I got worried that, you know, it would be really difficult for, for Lori. And it was, I mean, she was in labor for like almost four days with Sam oh my God. and, um, you know, he broke her tailbone on the way out. And, you know, so she had a really long recovery time once he was born, but, um, you know, I didn't really worry too much about anything. I was just like, all right, cool. We're going to do our best job. And, and that's that. Yeah. And, and you guys, it's you sounds like you didn't have like family around to help. So you were kind of flying solo. Yeah. Which, you know, in a way was really, really good because, you know, we both get along very, very well with our parents. Um, but to be able to raise your kid with whatever decisions you want and not, you know, like what your family thinks you should be doing was really, really nice, you know? Um, and our family very much respected our decisions about what we wanted to do and everything. And they've never been, you know, like ones to, to try and, well, you need to do this and you need to yeah. do, you know, I, I really was very glad that we could just be independent and raise him however we saw fit. And if we were making mistakes, they were our mistakes to make, you know, so we couldn't be resentful of like the in-laws and, and their meddling or anything that didn't exist. So it was, it was great actually. You yeah. Know, that's that's an interesting story. Yeah. Interesting perspective. Right. Cause I mean, on one hand it's, you know, great to have some extra help around sometimes, but on the other hand, I totally hear what you're saying. You know, sometimes it's just like, okay, all right. Like, I, yeah, I get it. That's the way you did it. We're going to do it this way. So. Well, you know, and we both turned, I mean, Lori and I both turned out well. I mean, I think we turned out well. So I didn't feel like, you know, either one of us had any parental damage, you know, too far. Right. And, you know, so I, I knew it would be great if, if either of our parents were sets of parents were around, but, um, you know, they, they just kind of let us do our thing. Cool. So speaking of parents, what, what, tell me about your relationship with your dad, what, or what was that like sort of growing up? How did that influence you as a father? Well, um, you know, my dad, I, I really very much looked up to, I still do. Um, he, he seems to know, most things. Uh, and he's not a know-it-all, but he seems to know a lot of stuff. He was the dad that always read Consumer Report. And, you know, he he had an opinion if you were getting a car, if you need to know how to do taxes or any of that stuff. He seemed to know how to do that stuff. So I always looked up to him like, if I need answers, my dad probably knows them. And um, he seemed to. He always seemed to. Um, he was always really super supportive of me and my brother. And, um, he was the breadwinner for the family. Um, my mom would, would occasionally have jobs, but it was typically my dad. He was in the air force. He was in the Navy. Um, he was going to college for a while, but he was always primarily the, the breadwinner. So my mom was like the fun one that we played with more. My dad, we didn't play with as much, but he was, 
you know, always super kind, um, very encouraging, supportive. I mean, he was, I couldn't have asked for a better dad in, in all, you know, honesty. He was, he was ideal, you know, growing up. And as an adult, I mean, we've become really very good friends as well. So, you know, that was an interesting transition. And we're starting to do that with my son too, where we're becoming friends. We're still parents, but we're friends. And, um, and that's a really nice thing. So I think, you know, my dad and I, we've always been very close. We still are. And, um, you know, he's somebody that I very much looked up to and I, I really wanted to try and be as good as I felt he was to me, to my son. So, you know, and and I guess that's kind of, you know, maybe a bit more unusual because, you know, in, in the punker world, oftentimes people are coming from, you know, like a single parent and, and all that. But both my wife and I had very happily married, you know, moms and dads. And, um, and, and it made for our relationship to be one that we, we had the same sort of expectations because right. like, that's kind of how it was in our family. I mean, that's just kind of how it has to be. Yeah, it's neat to see that kind of evolution of your relationship with your dad as yeah. you get a little bit older, right? It kind of, you know, can change from, um, it can get kind of stricter through your teenage years or whatever. You can kind of become a bit more friendly as you get older. Certainly it changed, at least it changed for me. I'm, I'm curious if it did for you when, when you had Sam. What was that like for, for your dad? How did, how did things change at that point? Well, I, I definitely understand now, um, that the torture that I put my dad through of like teasing and, and like bothering him with things that I, that I very purposefully do. Yeah. I now see my son doing to me and, you know, like Lori will laugh about it and she's like, you, you know, it's just coming back to you. Don't you? And I'm like, I know, I know, you know, like, cause Sam's almost the, the same height as me. He'll do the Benny Hill patting me on yeah. the thing. And it's like, okay, all right, I get it. So I think I've, I've become more, there's more of a kinship that I now have with my dad. Cause I'm like, okay, I get it. I, I put you through some torturous things, just, just teasing him. Yeah. And you know, like I'm, I'm seeing Sam doing it to me now and I can't get mad at him, you know, because I did the exact same thing, you know? So, but I was never like, you know, like a tearaway kid that was doing things that were dangerous or, or illegal or whatever. So I, I mean, I never really, you know, worried him or stressed him out. And, and I, Sam is, is the most, um, trustworthy child in the history of the world. Like we, I mean, we always joked about it and said that he was the self-correcting child in that if he ever did anything that he felt was out of line, he, he came to us and would go, should I go to my room? And we're like, um, I don't know if you you think you should maybe. Okay. I feel like I've let you down. I'm leaving. And we're like, uh, okay. I I guess if you want to do that. So he's, he's like, He's so awesome because, you know, he's regulated himself so that we haven't had to. Yeah. Well, obviously, that's, you know, part you're doing, right? Uh, Teaching him kind of that right from wrong. Gave him that 
compass early on. Oh, it's it's fully ingrained in his brain. Like yeah. he has a very, very clear sense of what's right and wrong. And, um, you know, while uh, while I like to think that we've we've encouraged that by no means have we, you know, like, you know, had any kind of punishment or negative consequences or, or really anything. He just has a very innate sense of of right and wrong and honor and things like that that he adheres to. And um, it's great. You know, that's really neat. That's neat. So I, I have to admit, the other night I looked up your TED talk. Yeah. Um, you did a TED talk, and it was like one of the local TED talks, I think. And um, you talked about um, career versus passion. Yeah. And so that fits in really nicely with one of the questions. We kind of ask the same questions to everybody generally on this show. And one of the questions is kind of like, how do you achieve your balance? So if it's with musicians it's like well how how do you manage being away from your family while you're on tour but for you you highlighted in that talk you know you've got a career that you feel very strongly about um you've been doing for a long time but you've also got this i mean call it a passion it's kind of almost your second career Uh, the the way i kind of view it anyway i mean you you do put out a lot of work it's not just a, a hobby obviously and then you've clearly got this strong connection with your family so maybe you can talk a little bit about that like how do you make that all work well, you know, for me, it's it's always about priorities. So, like, whatever is truly the most important thing should take precedent when when need be. Yeah. So, for example, if I'm if I'm working on things, and like both Lori and I both have this this um, way of handling things. If Sam comes to us and says, "Hey, do you want to watch something, or do you want to play Yahtzee? Do you want to go for a walk? Can we maybe go to the store?" Well, not now, but like any of that other stuff, if if he comes to us and says, hey, I'd like to do this or I need something, we stop what we're doing. And, you know, even if I'm in the middle of working on, on like a drawing or whatever, it can wait. You know, it can wait. My son can't, you know, and he's he's certainly never been bratty or pushy or anything. But when it it seems that we need time to be doing that. He is he and my wife are always my number one priority. So if for any reason they ask for something, I do the best that I can to give that to them when they need it so that I'm not getting my priorities goofed up. Because the reason I'm doing the artwork and stuff is, yeah, I enjoy it and everything, but it's also helping to pay bills and stuff Mm -hmm. that allow for me to have the sort of lifestyle that we have, which is doing what we like to do and doing things that are enjoyable for our family. So if if I'm working against that, that doesn't make any sense. So, right. you know, I always keep in the back of my mind, all right, fine. You know, like, so Lori has a down or a, a basement um, studio. That's where she does all of her sewing and everything. And so when, when she will text me or whatever and say, hey, you ready to stop? I'm usually like, yes, let's stop. Let's watch a movie. Let's hang out. Yeah. And, um, you know, now we feel like we've won the lottery if Sam's going, hey, do you want to watch something with me? And I'm like, you want to hang out? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's always, it, it's priorities, priorities, um, you know, like really drive things. And, um, you know, when, when those things that are higher priorities to me come up, I drop what I'm doing for them. And that could be, you know, my family, or I could be working on artwork and, you know, Bill Stevenson calls me and says, Hey, Chris, we're going on tour in, you know, 
Brazil, we need a T-shirt design tomorrow. That then is a priority. Yep. So I, okay, well, I'll, I'll stop everything else and I'll work on that. So, you know, it's just, it's priorities and it's having a really good sense of, of those priorities. And I think also I'm, I'm a really good time manager. I have a very good internal clock. I know how long I've been working. I have a very good sense of what do I need to accomplish and how long will that take? So I know if I, if I need to get something done, a drawing, and I know it's going to take only a couple hours, I sometimes will wake up a couple hours early, get it done, and then carry on with my day, you know, because then it's out of the way, you know? So, um, I do tend to be really very good about, um, you know, having projections for like how long a project would be. And knowing that means I can set aside time in my days to get that accomplished quickly so that I can do other things. Cause like nothing is better for me than the end of the night to go for a walk with my wife, watch some TV shows together and, you know, like really go, everything's done for the day. I don't, I'm not preoccupied. Yeah, that's that's an amazing skill because I know that's something I struggle with is just kind of procrastinating and putting things off. And I still procrastinate. Well, yeah, but I mean, even just like it feels so good to check things off the list, right? And just get it done. And then you say to yourself, why didn't I just do that sooner? That was so easy. (laughs) I know. And, you know, and it's funny you say check things off the list because like I literally like this drives me every day. These are all the commissions that I have to get done. You know, and, and I, I do, I check it off the list and I go, okay, moving on. But, um, you know, to be able to do that is really nice. But I'll tell people like all the time, because I am like a really good time manager, if somebody says, hey, do you think you could do a t-shirt design for us? Okay, sure, I can. When is it due? Whenever is fine. I will not do it. Because to me, it's not important. You didn't give me a deadline. I have no time frame. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it and I'm going to completely forget about it. And then, you know, if you come to me and, you know, like a week before and go, hey, well, we really need this. We're going on tour next week. You didn't give me a deadline. If you tell me I need it Wednesday at noon, you will have it before Wednesday at noon. Yeah. There's no question. But give me a deadline. Interesting. Yeah. So you work on those deadlines. You like to, to know when things are due. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, at school, um, you know, when, when we're doing plays and stuff like that, opening night is our deadline. You know, it's all gotta be done by then. Like we can't open and go, Oh man, I didn't get a costume for this person. We kidding me. Like that is (laughs) it. And to me, a deadline is a deadline. It's like, That's when things are done. So you get it done before and I'll put it off until the last minute because like maybe it's something I don't want to do. If I want to do it and and it's for my own personal use, I'll get it done, you know, the next day because it was yeah. just a pleasure for me to do. But if it's a job that I'd rather not do, I'll wait until the very last minute, but I will get it done. It will be done on its deadline. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's great. Um so we have a feature on this show. I don't know if you've listened to any of the other episodes. We we always do this thing called the rad dad, bad dad feature. So kind of an opportunity for you to tell us a rad dad moment. So kind of that, you know, blue ribbon moment, a time you felt just really awesome. It could be anything. Yeah. Uh, and also, if you can think of one, one of those like dad fail moments, like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Okay. So one of the best moments for me, um, Sam must have been 
I don't know, he was six or seven and it was my birthday. And I had gotten his birthday is close to mine. I'm, I'm the 12th of October and he's the 24th of October. So um, on my birthday, I had ordered some things for him. And so he and, and Lori had had done, you know, like my birthday and they had given me stuff and everything. And um, we have this we we've used this chair and we we call it the surprise chair. And I said, get in the surprise chair. So he went and sat down in the surprise chair and I gave him, you know, something for for him on my birthday. And he burst into tears and I was like, what's what's wrong? And he was just like, you thought of me on my on your birthday. And it was like that was like one of the best feelings ever, because he really, really understood the idea of putting somebody before yourself. And, you know, I think he he actually learned a lot from that because he is a very, very selfless person. He he will put others before himself so often. And, um, you know, I think that really like we showed him that, you know, we didn't you know tell him that's what you should do. So for me, that was like one of those moments that I just go, yep, that was one of the best things I've ever done, you know, because I think it really it hit home for him in a, yeah. in a very, very big way. And that's a nice moment as a parent, too, because kids, I mean, almost you can't help but teach them to be very self-centered when they're they're young. Right. Yeah. It's kind of all about them. Yeah. Um, and it is all about them. It should be. Uh, but when they start to understand, you know, that they can do things for other people and that makes them feel good. Wow. That's like an amazing thing to, to see them kind of learn, right. That's yeah. that selflessness. So yeah, that's cool. So do you have a, do you have a, a dad fail moment, a bad dad moment that comes to your mind? Man, that comes to mind. Um, I'm putting you on a spot. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, this wasn't like a fail or anything that was like, I mean, it, it like all dads have experienced this. So the very, very first time I was trimming Sam's fingernails, he was like a couple months old, maybe yeah. a month old or something like that. Um, you know, their fingernails, they're just like they're flexible. They're not yeah. even like really like calcified or anything. Um, so like I said, I, I there were things that I could do that I was like, OK, well, I'm going to do this. And I like I enjoyed changing diapers. I was like, the, the, I'll change them. You know, fine. I, Lori, she can do it, but I, I will do it if I'm around. So I thought, OK, well, I'll take on like giving him haircuts and I'll, I'll like trim his fingernails and I'll do stuff like that. So I'm trimming his fingernails. And, um, I, I accidentally got like a little piece of skin too. And he started bleeding and it was the very first time that he had ever been cut, you know, like since birth. And so uh, to me, I just went, Oh, I've ruined him. I've brought him. (laughs) You know, like, and to me, I'm, you know, of course, as you know, like a young parent, you're going, what have I done? I'm, I'm terrible. I've scarred him for life. And of course I didn't, but at that moment I felt terrible. And it, yeah, I mean, it was no big deal. He did. It really didn't affect him in the least bit, but I, I felt affected by that. Um, and, oh, and another one like that. So we're, we're here at home 
Lori had gone out and like, you know, early on, she didn't do a whole lot of like leaving and or whatever. She was she was usually with Sam. Um, she had something she was going to be doing, you know, by herself. And uh, I said, don't worry about it. You know, I got him. We're here. We're fine. He was a toddler. He must have been, you know, two or three. And um, so we were in the living room playing and doing whatever. And, you know, he, he said, well, I'm going to get something from my room. So he goes running down the hallway and I hear him start crying, you know, and he was gone less than a minute. But, yeah. you know, I hear him start bawling. I'm like, what, what, what? And he comes back into the living room and his lip is just bleeding. And I'm like, what happened? And he said, I don't know. I ran into my room and I fell. And, and I, here I am going, great. The one time Lori goes out and yeah. I tell her, don't worry, he runs out. He has a very, very tiny scar from where this happened, and he honestly doesn't know what happened either, and I don't know what happened, but I felt awful because I yeah. said, no, I've got this. It's going to be fine. You can trust me, and so I felt, you know, like as a dad, like that was a failure, but, um, you know, those were relatively minor things, you know. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> I, I can't, I don't know if I can even count the number of times I've, like, said, oh, I'm just going to go into the kitchen just to get whatever, and then in the living room, you just hear thud, you know, like yeah. the unmistakable sound of a child's body hitting the ground. And it's like, oh, my God, of course it had to happen then. <laughs> oh, of course, of course, you know, yeah. um, and neither one of those things were big deals. But right. um, but in the moment, you know, you certainly blow it out of proportion and you go, oh, no, what have I done to my kid? They're going to I can see 40 years in the future. They're sitting on a therapist couch talking about yeah. this exact moment. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, you know, interesting. One of the things that kind of all parents share is like we've all kind of been through it, right? If you, you, some, I don't know, some incident like that happens to you and you feel like the worst dad ever it's yeah. happened to a hundred other dads. Right. And so that's yeah. why it's good to talk about it because it kind of helps you realize, Oh, I'm not alone here. You know, and it's, it's funny. Cause like, you know, there are those things that as parents, we all do, but yeah. we don't realize that we do. For example, like, you know, when, when Sam was young and I know you've done this, but we'd be on road trips and, you know, he'd be napping in the back and like you start getting really nervous and you start looking in the rear view mirror and you grab the leg and you kind of yeah. shake it. And you go, OK, he's not dead. All right. I was just, you know, because like this spontaneous death stuff, like oh, yeah. every single parent is like he's been sleeping too long. He hasn't moved. Is he breathing? You know, yeah. so you kind of shake him or you poke him and then you're like, oh, oh OK, he's crying. OK, I can deal with crying. Dad, I can't deal with. But crying is fine. OK, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, my so my daughter, um, she just had her tonsils out a few months ago. Oh, wow. And prior to that, she sounded like like a train was going through her bedroom when she was sleeping. Like she snored so loud. Oh. But I I loved it in a way because I could hear her down the hall like, "Oh, she's oh, fine. she's not dead." <laughs> but now doesn't make a peep. I like the first, I don't know, a few nights, I would sneak in there and get my head right up next to her her mouth and like oh yeah she she's breathing yeah and it, it was like something I took for granted right obviously she was struggling to get enough oxygen that's the whole reason that was happening so you know <laughs> good that we removed her tonsils but uh, yeah it's kind of a funny thing so Chris what's what's next for you what what do you have going on um, kind of in your your art world right now you're obviously working on commissions and stuff like that any other big projects exciting things you did. Uh, punk rock and paintbrushes just recently the the online auction 
Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, Lori's got uh, another phase of an art show that she was working on. Um, it was called Tales from Dairy, which was a Stephen King themed art show at Sugar Mint Galleries in, in Pasadena. And I guess we're going to be doing a second phase to that. Um, chapter two. Um, or, or is chapter two just the it stuff, honey? It's Stephen King, right? Stephen King. Yeah. Okay. So it's Stephen King stuff. So um, that's going to be coming up pretty soon. Um, I have I, I decided while I was on break that I wanted to do some zines again. You know, and the last time I did a zine was in 1988. So I figure it's time, right? Yep. You know, I kind of <laughs> need to do another one. So I've got a few zine ideas that I want to do. Um, cool. So I'll be working on those. Um, Greg Hetson, um, guitar player for Bad Religion, Circle Jerks, uh, has gotten a hold of me and wants to do a children's book. So oh, during cool. summer, um, I think is the time that I really need to focus on on that because obviously that's a really big undertaking, yeah. and uh, it's something that he and I have been talking about for for actually a couple of years now. And you know, he he got a hold of me again recently and was like, "Hey, Chris, we ready to start working on that?" And you know, yeah, I I am, and that's probably one of the biggest things is like, you awesome. know, and Greg came to me, you know, he was like, I have this idea for a book. I haven't seen anybody do this before. And I'd really like you to do it with me. And, um, you know, not only is that a huge honor, but it's also like the idea of the book is great. So, um, I, I need to get on that. Uh, I've been doing a lot of paintings. Uh, I plan on continuing doing commissions during, during this summer break. Um, ordinarily I'd be traveling during the summer and wanting to organize art shows or, or, you know, just being at festivals and stuff. So since that's not happening, I feel like I, I really need to be kicking up, you know, like my, my production. So, uh, you know, I think mainly just doing a lot of paintings is, is kind of where I'm going. Nice. Nice. It's funny. You mentioned Greg Hudson. We just, uh, put out an interview with him last week. So that's yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's funny timing. Um, so Chris, thank you so much for for being on the show. Do you have any final kind of words of wisdom to either dads or maybe um, future dads, um, dads who are expecting? I guess you know, be patient with your kids um, and um, listen to them. You know, a lot of times uh, I think I think we get so wrapped up in what it is that we want and what we want to hear that we don't always listen to what they're really saying. Um, listen to your kids, support wherever they want to go with things and and try and be understanding because your kid is not just, you know, like a, a little version of you. He, it, it's somebody else. And, and they may very much deviate from from your interests or likes or whatever. But but be supportive of them and and know that if you are, they're going to turn out pretty all right. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think that's that's one of the best things is just to really listen to them and support what their interests are. Um, you know, they might grow out of things. They may not. And um, as long as they know that when they become adults, that they can say my parents really did value what I had to say, that's important. So, um, I, I mean, I, I think that's the best advice I can give. That's great advice. Great advice. Thank you so much, Chris, for your time today. Really appreciate it. It was really hey, fun talking I, to you. And, yeah, it was uh, great you too. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you so much. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, take care. See you, Chris.